On today's episode of That Is Effin' Weird, we will be covering a, another murder case. Now, this one is this one's pretty heavy, all right? So if, you, uh, if you're expecting any sort of humor or comedy, you're probably not going to find it in today's episode. Um, but with that being said, we have a special guest on the show. Before we introduce her, we'll introduce all the hosts first. I am Alex. I am Clark. And I'm Seth. And today's guest is Lily. Lily, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, before we actually get into the actual case and everything, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what interested you in this specific case? Thank you. So my name is Lily, as you've said. Um, I am French, and I'm very passionate about true crime. I think there's... Um, it's just fascinating to dive into those cases and try to understand what happened and why it happened. Um, I was still in France when this case happened, and despite it being across the ocean, we did hear about it from there. Uh, I remember be working in a restaurant and having podcasts and just news about it uh, here and there. It was very fascinating, and to this day, we're, I'm not sure of why this happened so let's try to figure this out tonight that's actually that's a great point because that is i think at the end of like any documentary any show any podcast i'm sure it'll happen here is trying to understand the why to why this happened why did chris watts do what he actually did it's really puzzling and i do know that the uh the uh, investigators and i think one of the interrogators that originally like you know, interrogated Chris Watts, went back and questioned him again. And he was still mm -hmm. pretty vague about his why this actually happened. But I'm sure we'll get into that. So Lily, yes. go for it and just let's hear about it. Awesome. So the first point that I wrote down is how much this case was covered, whether it is on the news or online by people just like us trying to figure out uh, the ins and outs of this case. Um, and I'm sure you've heard everything about it. Um, I think what is striking the most about this family, about this case, is how perfect their their life seems to be from the outside. If you remove, um, of course, the tragedy that happened, um, what we have left from Shannon, her girls, and her unborn son are videos and pictures of a loving family, people just enjoying their life in a beautiful house, in a wonderful neighborhood, and it's just very tragic what happened to them. I will say this, mm -hmm. is that I feel like, now this is, the, I feel like this is the majority, people don't post things online about the negative things going on in their life. That's they're true. They're only going to be posting things like the happy moments, and it's it's almost like if you look through like, pictures of your families like with the photos like the old mm -hmm. I, I was about to say old-timey photos but like the actual <laughs> like the flimsy you know I don't know what kind of paper it is but it's it's all happy it's all people smiling and everything so I guess it's it is portrayed that they did have a loving happy family so I mean I'm not saying it's one-sided or anything I'm not saying that mm -hmm. they didn't have troubles but yeah it's just I feel like that's what people mostly post. So that's, yeah, that's portrayed very well with this family. That's true. And I would double down on that. Um, where they were living, first of all, was a very adorable community. And Shannon herself um, was a very caring, loving person. She was born in 84. 
So an adult, she had her goals, her dreams. And as she was growing up, she was very ambitious. And uh, she started this business. It's an MLM, multi-level marketing company called Lavelle. And this is what maybe not pushed her, but um, helped this portraying of her wonderful family, her wonderful life to the outside. How familiar are you with MLMs? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like the, it, it's almost like uh, LuLuRoe or like Plexus, mm -hmm. like where it's you, you get things and you sell it on, like, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I'm like it, with Seth. It. That's totally it. Um, Multi-level marketing. Of course, it's a bit of a controversy because they're living in a gray area of the law and not all of them are predatory, but not all of them are very lovey-dovey. Mm. And um, one of their purpose to make their business and to gain money is to recruit people in their downline. In order to do that, you want to portray yourself in the best light. And like you were saying before, you're going to post the highlight of your life. Um, so that's why we have so much content from Shannon and her family is because she was posting so much, of course, singing uh, how good the product was that she was selling from Lavelle, but also showing how happy she was because of it and all the money she had. She was trying to portray this life of um, luxury, and that's why we have so much content. Question. Do you mm -hmm. know if she still has her social media pages up? I'm not entirely sure that it's up. I know Chris, um, her husband, was enrolled into it, and he took down his pages, but I'm not sure if hers are still up and running. Okay. It'd be interesting to see if they are. I mean, I don't have mm -hmm. social media besides, like, the podcast that we have, but it'd be interesting to see if she if her stuff is still up there for like people to like see how her family life was and I, I don't know if that would be something where because there was another there was another documentary that i saw that like her she was getting ridiculed online mm -hmm. and everything and i think her uh i think her parents came out or i think her dad came out and was just like please leave us alone so i think part of that would be like taking down her social media but again mm -hmm. i don't know if it's up or not i know if someone dies and uh the family doesn't have the password there's a channel you can go through on Facebook where you provide like a death certificate like next to Kindu and mm -hmm. and then get it get it like either taken off or memorialized, which is weird to have like your last thing you tweeted like right. That's that's so weird to me. Yeah. It really is. And now that you're mentioning that, I do remember seeing on Instagram um, instead of having your your name, you would have remembering your name. Um, uh -huh. I, I wonder if that's something that they did with her social media profiles hmm. maybe we need to look into that you if you right? yeah, yeah you if the audience member if you know if you have social media and you've been looking into this please let us know but continue Lily. Mm -hmm. so just another note about the company that she was working for um part of their product their line of product is called thrive and they have cleaning products and also um dietary supplements some of them could be considered uppers, and it's been known for a fact that Chris was uh, using those patches that are mood regulator or dietary supplements. I have a quick question. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Thrive Market? Is that um, what this thing is? 
I believe it's called Thrive by Lavelle. By Lavelle, oh, and it's L E I V E L. Okay. Um, if you want to look it up, there's a whole Reddit rabbit hole about MLMs and <laughs> all their yeah. predatory. There's a there's a there's mm -hmm. a mar there's like a thing that's similar to that around here called Thrive Market, and oh. I and I was just curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here in my area. Well, we're not too far away from each other, so mm -hmm. Seth and I are like in the same market, kind of. Yeah, and that's something I see a lot with like a lot of people around here that are are like promoting that. So I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. Like Thrive is, I don't know if it's like the exact same. You know, is it a Mary Kay thing? It yeah. absolutely you're, is. You're it absolutely Mary, is. My mom did Mary, Mary Kay, Kay cars. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Avon. Did anybody's mm -hmm. parents do Avon? Oh, yep. 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 <laughs> Tupperware. Tupperware. Yep. 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 Where, what was the wicker basket one? Uh, there was like a wicker basket one. With pottery, ba weak? pottery barn. Was it? I think it was called Pottery Barn. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I feel like, like there pottery, was a pottery barns. A chain. So. But I feel like there was like a wicker basket thing where like people were buying wicker baskets, like tiny ones. There was a whole collection, big ones. It was weird. Uh, I'm just have this picture in my head mm -hmm. of like uh, house moms in the 80s with their wine spritzers in the afternoon. And they're instead of Tupperware, they're weaving baskets. <laughs> Goodness. But you probably do know someone that is involved in an MLM to some degree, whether it is lipsticks, makeup products, cooking wear, they do everything. Um, I could also talk about that for hours on end. <laughs> we might need to do an episode on that. <laughs> I'm very opinionated about MLMs, so <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Um, yeah, I'm write it down, Alex. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now, <laughs> so I don't forget. <laughs> So uh, one reason why MLMs are so prevalent nowadays is because they use social media to recruit people, uh, as I've told you. And one of their tools or their technique is to um, explain their why. So it would be, why did I join this company? Or why am I using this product? And they're pushing it really hard. Sometimes it's quite heavy. It can be because you're a single mom or because you suffered a loss in your family or illnesses as well. And Shannon was suffering from an illness. Uh, she had lupus. And um, she was telling on her Facebook, on her, uh, I believe she had an Instagram as well, that the Thrive products and the company Lavelle gave her the community and the strength to go through her illness and to just be happy and as healthy as possible in her daily life. So this company was very much involved in our life. I feel whenever I feel like that's a slippery slope. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like that's like it may. I don't know. I just if the product itself doesn't say like it does help in that area. Like, granted, like the patches itself, they might be making you feel better in like a sort of mm -hmm. way. But I feel like that should just dis like people should disclose that it shouldn't be like this cures or this is like, you know, like, I don't know how she was marketing that with like the disease that she had but i don't know mm -hmm. i feel like that's when you start saying like it can help with certain things that like are you know rough like that i, I don't know it's i don't know about that it's it's tough to reconciliate i agree with you and this was pre-covid so they didn't have all the regulations that's again that's maybe a big word that mm -hmm. the ftc has put in place to not have those claims be out and about 
Yeah. So it was very much a gray area back then. Um, so like I said, she was suffering from lupus, which for those of you who don't know, is an autoimmune disease. Um, it can be very painful from what I've researched, uh, fatigue, pain in your joints, um, inflammation, and sometimes infertility. So it's a disease that is gonna, um, just pretty much stop your life and have you constantly, if not constantly in pain and just being miserable. It's in this context that she met Chris. Uh, they met uh, through a friend, I believe, and he was the one pursuing her. Uh, even if she sent the first message, he was the one really that wanted to get to know her, wanted to be in a relationship, and eventually they dated. After a, f after a few iffy dates where sometimes she had to cancel because she was too tired or maybe she was too sick, they finally got together and got married in 2012. Um, again, they portrayed their, their love life online, and it was just a beautiful relationship from what you can see from the highlights online, uh, online of course. And um, very soon after, they had two children, two beautiful girls, Bella and Celeste. And you can still find online the pictures of those little girls smiling and being full of life. And again, it's... It's almost a disconnect from the life that they had. And you can still see from um, this horrific murder that happened. Um, an entire family wiped completely clean of the surface of the earth. Truly eye-opening. It is. Um, at, the at the time of the event, Shannon was pregnant with a little boy that they planned on naming Baby Nico. And I just want to emphasize how wonderful it is that she was able to have two children and another one on the way, with lupus being sometimes very difficult on women, especially. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say that with what you had just said with like the the disease that it happens, mm -hmm. like in like fertility is you know it's really rough, and then she had two children already, and then mm -hmm. a third on the way. So that I think that within itself was pretty pretty astonishing, and I think that may be why. It's just that much more, like, this case is that much, you know, like, no, I'm not going to say special, but it's just, like, that mm -hmm. more, I don't know, it's intriguing, maybe, but it's, the it, I guess, sad, too, where it's, like, the fact that she had this disease, she possibly couldn't have had kids, but then she was going to have a third one, and mm -hmm. then Chris takes them away. That That's just, that's pretty shitty. It really is. It really is. And reading through the testimonies, of course, it's after their death. So they might have been embellished a little bit. But from what I could re read, Chris was a very loving father. He loved his daughters. Um, and he was the same to Shannon. He was very caring. He was very loving. And from all the accounts, um, he was the one to stay up and be with her if she was in pain. Or he would not move for for hours on end while she was resting on his lap because she had a migraine or because she was just not feeling herself that day. It's very interesting to read about those accounts while at the same time knowing with insight what happened. Well, I think some of, some of her friends and some of the interviews and documentaries that I've seen about this was like, yeah, he was kind of quiet. Yeah, he, mm -hmm. you know, he was kind of reserved, but... 
they could see that he really loved the kids and her like just like as an outsider like looking in it like it never seemed like they had like outside the social media it seemed Mm -hmm. like they were a, a happy family so you have that like that aspect of it too it's not just the social media but it was the friends and family who saw them interact it looked like they really were like a happy family so and that he was loving and he did really care so Mm -hmm. it's it's very puzzling and that's probably the first big why uh trying to reconcile what happened at the end in the years of cultivating this beautiful family and being loving up until the very end Mm -hmm. it's 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 very hard to make sense of all of this. In 2018, at the time of the event, uh, Chris Wass was 33. He was working as an oil field operator in Andarco Petroleum. Sorry, I butchered that. <laughs> <It's> um, <all right>. <laughs> <laughs> and again, from everyone's account, he was very supportive um, of his wife's ambition. He was very present when it came to her business or her, or her side hustle, if you want. Um, and he was very much so helping her portray this life, um, just perfect veneer, everything is, is good. Now, what you must know now is with starting this side hustle, this MLM business, um, comes a lot of expense, very expensive to maintain your status um, as an MLM rep. Um, it's also very time consuming, you have to post a lot, you have to go to conventions, you have to host calls online or you have to lead them. It's, it's a lot. It, could, it, it can keep your hands busy, especially when you're a mom of two, expecting. So Chris was very much present and helping her. And I can totally see how this could build up. I can understand how maybe a year in or a few months in, okay, that's starting to be a bit much. Maybe I want some downtime away from the cameras, away from the pictures, just to be with my family, with my wife. I can see that. I Well, something I noticed too, um, again, mm-hmm. was like, she, it seemed like, and I don't know how everyone else feels about like, about this, but like having a camera like shoved in your face or like being like, you know, someone's doing something for social media and then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, smile, say hello to the, and you're just like, you're not feeling it. Like I, to me, it's happened to me a couple of times and it's just like, please don't, like, I don't want that. To, so almost like what you were saying, having her post every single day and like, mm-hmm. not saying that she was shoving the camera in his face, but I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying too. It's like, I feel like that would get old after a while. Clark, Seth, what do you guys think? Uh, didn't she um, record their second child? Like when she was expecting, she told him she like recorded mm-hmm. when he found Absolutely. out. It was the third mm-hmm. one. That's what I saw. It was yep, the, it was the uh, baby Nico. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, a I very intimate he... moment to yeah. share online. Yeah, yeah. That that strikes me as that, and it also it. I don't think I registered it as social media. Then I think I thought of it as like a home movie. But this is. Mm-hmm. This sound this puts it into perspective a little, but yeah, I, he the, the only thing I could say is that he looked he looked really checked out, like his oh it, was like really forced, it, it, and that's and that's what it look yeah that's exactly it is like I think he knew the camera like his initial reaction because like he because she was wearing a shirt that said like oops we did it mm-hmm. again, and yeah pretty clever, and um 
like his initial reaction you could see like he really was like oh 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 and then like he goes in but i think he noticed the can like the the phone set up to like mm-hmm. get his re- and then you could see kind of like that the fake reaction like oh huh. you know just fake sm- not fake smiles but i could you could kind of maybe yeah. tell that he was a little miffed about like can you just shut off the camera like can like what mm-hmm. you were saying lily like this is an intimate moment and like i don't i don't know I think things like that just need to be between you and your significant other or like just take that. That's my big people who take pictures of their food. That's another one. (laughs) I like just eat your food. Enjoy it. You know, like people can see the picture of like whatever it is, a salad or like whatever. They can just go online. I I can't stand that. I just just eat your food. Eat your food. (laughs) Sorry. I was at a sushi restaurant (laughs) one time. And there was this girl sitting across the table with her boyfriend, and she had like a giant Nikon camera with like a lens and everything, and she was like, "Of course, taking all these photos and then taking photos of his." I was like, "Interesting." interesting. I I will mm-hmm. say this though: if you were doing it for the restaurant, like I, that, I appreciate. Like if I go, if I if it's an, a restaurant I've never been to, and I want to see their menu and like what some of the food looks like. That helps if you're I, okay. I get that piece, but like, let the, all, all the Yelp reviewers just left our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> the they're, they're, they're there for that reason. Like, if you're on a date, like, if you're like trying to build an experience, yeah. mm-hmm. live the yeah. experience. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, there are the sun will still set. You don't have to get that perfect one. <laughs> again, I promise. Like, uh, live the, moment. the thing is, you could use that as a marketing tool to get more people into your downline and make more money. So let's take a picture of this salad with tofu. I don't know. What do people eat these days? <laughs> salad with tofu. <laughs> <laughs> All of this sounds like a um, uh, more (laughs) the what? Uh, We got to bring it back to Hufu again. Oh, God. That kind of way of making money sounds more exhausting. Like this multi layered Mm -hmm. marketing stuff sounds more more exhausting than manual labor. And I've done that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Like, there's like having to be on and like engaged and like figuring out like this thing to promote online i don't know it's a lot um to maintain your revenue you have to um you know keep the people you have in your downline and you have to keep growing this pyramid that you're at the top of it's a lot of work and it's very exhausting and again it's very costly because you have to have the latest products you have to see the go to the latest shows that they are organizing or the convention it's a lot of money to invest into something that yes might have a high um yield but the amount that you pour into it is just ridiculous well that's like that i, I don't mean we already said we're going to talk about these we're gonna do this an episode but that's that's lulu row like you yes you yes buy everything so you're you're mm-hmm. make like the money that you have you're spending it on lulu row and it's a, just a vicious cycle where it's like well now i have to sell these 10 tubs of mm-hmm. leggings and then <laughs> ugly leggings yeah <laughs> oh, all right we'll we'll get back on topic chris watts <laughs> yes 
let's talk about the day of. It's August 13th. It's a wonderful sunny day. And in the neighborhood, you don't think that anything has happened, but in fact, it has. It's been captured by a very critical camera that we'll come back to. Right the night before, on the 12th, Shannon is coming back from a convention, a gathering organized by Lavelle, to talk about the newest products, to just cultivate this culture of um, community and just coming together. And there may be a little bit of a cultish practices, but we'll come back to that. She comes back very late at night. It's close to 2 p.m. Uh, she just wants to get home. And you can probably find it online if you search it on YouTube after this video, of course. Um, you can see her last appearance on camera. It's their ring doorbell. And you can see her coming back. It's pitch black. She's trailing behind her her suitcase. And she, visibly, she's tired. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. She's 15 weeks pregnant at this time. So she must be exhausted. She just wants to get home. She's dropped off by her good friend and fellow MLM rep, Nicole. Um, again, she will be a big part of this story. We will talk about her more in a few minutes. Um, let's see here. As she comes back home, of course, we don't really know what happens inside the house. We can only trust um, Chris's word for it, which I don't know that that's worth much, if anything. But supposedly... They have a bit of an emotional conversation, as he puts it, and eventually they go to bed. Everybody's asleep. It seems like a wonderful night in the neighborhood. Um, and now we are on the morning of August 13th. That morning, Shannon had a uh, OBGYN uh, appointment that she misses. Her good friend Nicole was supposed to drive her there and Shannon is not picking up the phone. She is not responding to texts. It's very unlike her since she spends most of her time on her phone or on her computer. She has to upload contents so she will see her phone as soon as she's up. It's very off, very unusual for her not to be in touch with Nicole. Or anyone for that matter. Chris will tell us later that he tried calling her a few times and sending a few texts without response. How much of that is true? I'll, I'll, I'll let you um, make the decision. After, after talking about the, the fact that she is doing like this business online and then, mm -hmm. and then connecting that like she didn't have her phone, that, that makes more sense as to why her friend is so worried mm -hmm. and this is so unusual i think now now that we talk about it a little bit more because when i when i've watched like some of the documentaries and again some of the interviews and everything it, to me it was just like a nosy friend it was like a friend who was mm -hmm. just being too involved in their relationship about like what was going on but now it makes a little bit more sense as to why like she was so concerned and so mm -hmm. like where is where is she? So that that piece. All right. Now that we talk about, yeah, again, it makes it makes a little bit more sense now. She's very concerned. Again, you can see it on the um, cop cam. Mm -hmm. There's footage available online. Um, she's very concerned. She's frantic. She has her phone in her hand, hand, presumably calling someone, texting someone, just trying to make sense of the situation. And myself having a very good friend that thankfully is not an MLM. 
um, if I was in Nicole's position, I would also be frantic and I would be calling, making sure that my friend is not falling somewhere or maybe she hit her head in the bed or something like that. I would also be very much concerned being so close to her. Yeah. Um, eventually, as she sees the house seems empty, she calls out to Shannon a few times. It seems that her shoes that she always wears are right next to the front door. There is a... Um, she's not responding to calls or to my um phone calls now her shoes are inside yeah something something's not right here she decides to call to call chris who is at work and um she tells him probably look but he stays at work just a little bit longer she finally calls um the police and they show up at the house they knock on a few doors they look at the windows everything seems locked everything pretty much seems in order except they don't answer you can hear the girls praying playing you can hear shannon in the back cooking or the house is unusually quiet and empty from an outside look looking again at the um officer's camera his body cam um, it's very weird to have this peek into the home and it being so empty because, again, within sight, we know what happened there or part of it, I guess. After knocking on a few neighbors' doors, asking them, have you seen your neighbors or do you know what's going on? No, no, nothing particular happened. The cop finally calls Chris and he tells them, look, something's not right. You need to be here. And despite being something like five minutes away, it takes him quite a while to show up to his house. It was probably difficult for him to drive all the way back to his house knowing what happened. It's hard to empathize with him, but I, I can imagine. I think for him, he might have been going over in his brain because he knew the cops were there. Like, I'm sure mm -hmm. he was trying to, like, formulate a plan. Not maybe like a plan, but, like, trying to get his story straight, trying to come up with like mm -hmm. things in his head and what he was going to do while the cops were there. You can, you can kind of see it. Like he, he tried to look worried from like what you were saying, like the body cam from the, uh, from the mm -hmm. cops perspective, you can see he's trying to like come off as like worried and like, Oh no. And like, oh, that was so uncomfortable to watch. You, oh, yes. you've, you've seen it the the body cam of him like explaining the video footage was so mm -hmm. rough that was he rough. literally runs up to the cop when he arrives he gets out of his truck and he runs up to the cop and i i think if my spouse was missing i would be just a mess i would be a mess and still there's still this there's not really urgency in the way he's moving he goes up to the garage he opens the door he's left alone in that house for just under two minutes what he did during that time no one really knows um i think personally that he did a quick tour a quick look around to see if anything was out of out of place um he probably placed a couple of things around to set the scene a little bit but there really is a lack of urgency in the way he responds to this very concerning situation your pregnant wife is not answering that's very concerning 
Um, finally, he opens the door, and again, on the from the police officer's perspective, you can see Nicole, her best friend, just completely concerned. No, that's not the word. She's outraged of how long it's taken him to come open the door, and for a good reason. Um, they get in, they tour the house, and pretty much everything is here from Shannon. Her keys, her phone, her purse, her shoes. Not her, though. The girls are not here, and she's not here. Finally, they go upstairs to the master bedroom, and Chris comes out with her ring. And he's just dangling it on his finger, on his index finger, I believe, and showing it to Nicole and the cop with this expression of, okay, now it's your part to finish the story. Um, I believe Nicole is asking something like, is this a ring, or is that hers? And he just says, uh-huh. <laughs> Still dangling the ring on uh -huh. his finger. Um, they continue on in the house. The cop asks him a few questions. You know, did you get into an argument last night? What happened? And he dismisses that idea completely. They didn't really get into an argument. More like a emotional conversation. I'm puzzled. I'm still not sure what that is. Um... <laughs> What was that, Clark? It's an argument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was a passionate, emotional exchange. It wasn't an argument. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Goodness. Um, so he tells the cop, yeah, don't know what that's about. Um, now, some neighbors have cameras around, um, as you do these days. Uh, they end up in the next-door neighbor. Um, someone that's very close, and their camera is positioned just close enough to his house that they can catch the street and a little corner of his driveway. Um, so they look through, you know, the timestamp, and at, arrive, uh, at around 5, I believe, you can see Chris's truck pulling in the driveway, um, the bed facing the um, garage door, um, there's some movement, there's some shuffle, shuffle, and he's back on his way. That's okay. That happened. They don't see any cars around, anyone sh shifty, just driving around or exiting the house. Um, finally, Chris exits the neighbor's house and the cop and the neighbor are alone. And I believe, I believe his wife is, is here with him. Anyways, they have this small exchange that I think gives us a lot of information, because if you see Chris from an outsider perspective, you can think, well, he's a little bit awkward. I've been awkward before in stressful situations. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, the thing is, the neighbor gives us insights because he has the benefit of knowing him in regular, usual, normal situations. And he tells the cop, no, something's not right. He's shifting around, he's rocking back and forth, and he keeps talking, he keeps chatting. And I think the neighbor t tells this in some shape or form a, a few times. He just cannot stop talking, and that's not like him. He's usually very subdued, he uses that word. Um, so we can conclude here that something is definitely not right. His reaction, even from an outsider perspective, doesn't make sense. And now the neighbor that knows him sees that he's not acting right. He's not acting himself. 
So, all right. I, I, mm-hmm. I, okay. What, how do you think we kind of talked about a little bit, like Lily, you said that you, you'd be pretty frantic and everything. Well, for Clark and Seth, how do you, how do you think you would react or how long do you think it would, it would take for you guys to react to something like this? So let's just say like your significant other disappears, right? When do you think it would start sinking in to the point where you're like starting to be frantic or really starting to worry? Would it be right away or would it be something where it's like it takes a couple of days to like sink in and you're just trying to think rationally? Oh, within the day, like when someone's not like their pattern is all off and you can't get a hold of them, that's that's weird. So it it would really depend on the pattern, like what what normal is. Yeah. And then what'd you say, Clark? I was just saying, like the the concept of a couple of days is insane. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, today, uh, my wife uh, on Friday she usually comes home early, and she wasn't home by four o'clock, and she didn't get home until almost six, and I was kind of getting a little worried. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my, I need to start looking at this fucking traffic updates. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's been... yeah. Like, so, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just how I am. But And I'm not, uh, I get routinely uh, called out as being a robot by my friends for being <laughs> emotionless. But even I know that, you know, if my wife is two hours late, that's a problem. Yeah. Now, if you throw in there that your wife is pregnant, would that change? Uh, uh, oh, my. Yeah, then I would start calling relatives also. Mm-hmm. And start yeah. figuring out if there's actually something. I mean. And you bring I'm, out a good point, a really good point. You would start calling people. You would be shouting. You would be running around. You would be calling people to see, have you heard anything from her? Have you seen anything? Do you know if she has an appointment? I don't know how. Um. Chris is bent over his phone, typing away, um, and he's not really connecting with anyone. He's just typing, 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 and blabbering about, um, you know, he went to work, and then they had this, quote, emotional conversation. He's just, he's not making sense. He's just not. He's in the middle of everything, in the middle of all the ways you could react, and it's just not clicking. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. Very soon after the event starts, the FBI and the CBI get involved because, again, there's a couple of kids involved and she's pregnant, so this is enough to get the big guns out for good reasons. Um, Chris decides against all odds, against probably advice of his closest friend and relatives, to conduct two interviews on TV. I'm I'm pretty sure that all of us have seen those or a compilation of those. And um, it's so odd to see this man in his bubble um, trying to explain away what's going on and how he feels about it. That's very important that we know how he feels because this is a nightmare for him. Um, the thing is, the first time I saw the interview, I couldn't really listen to him much. I didn't get much of what he said because I was looking at his face. And from the nose down, his mouth was moving. He was speaking. But 
the two thirds of her of his face were not moving. His eyes, he was barely blinking. There's no emotion that's transmitted. He has his eyes transfixed to the interviewer and he's just not moving. He's like a robot, like you said. Yeah. There's no emotion. He's not giving us anything. I what I what I don't understand is why. Why would he why would he talk to the news? Mm-hmm. Like I that's something I don't understand. Like he knew he was guilty. Like he knew that he did it. Why if he was trying to get away with this, I I again, this I feel like this whole case is just a bunch of whys. Like why would you do this? Why mm-hmm. why would you go on TV the day after it happens and then like, cause he was like, "Oh yeah, if someone has her, if she's gone, please bring her back." Like, it will, like I, I don't know. I just feel like he, it was real. It was really dumb of him to do that if he was trying to. Like, obviously, he was trying to get away with it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, but yeah, you're right. He like he's emotionless. He he's stumbling through like the entire conversation. Which okay, if you're shook up, if you're you know if you're emotional, like yeah, you're gonna mm-hmm. stumble and everything. But it was a different kind. You it was like almost. You could tell he knew something. He knew something and he was nervous to talk. That's what like the stumbling was. It wasn't like a sadness stumbling or anything. So I don't know. It's very true. And uh, he was just shifting around and swinging back and forth. It was just very unsettling to see this guy on TV. And um, I've been into a bit of a rabbit hole looking at spouses or family members appearing on tv and trying to plead to whoever has their uh loved ones to let them go or to set them free and it's usually very quick very frantic but very pointed their line of thought is just my son is missing he's the light of my life and we need him back because i'm you know, I'm his mom, and that's how he calls me, and that's it. But when you listen to Chris and you try to parse what the heck he's talking about, it's well, if there's someone, if there's sorry, if they are somewhere, I hope they're safe. But if they're not, I hope that some the person that has them, I hope that they don't hurt them, and please set them free. And it's like, dude, uh, hold on, hold on, what what are you talking about? Are they have they gone somewhere and did they just leave you? Or did someone kidnap your family? Which narrative are we going for? Yep. Who is the they? What's going on here? It's just very hard to follow his train of thought. Yeah. Yep. While... It's very um, much like a narcissistic mm-hmm. uh, personality disorder. I could see that. I could see that. As an armchair psychologist myself, I could see that. Yep. Yep. Everything yep. is about him. As opposed to like someone like Susan Smith, who, mm-hmm. you know, said like immediately like, oh, please, you know, bring my children back, all that stuff, even mm-hmm. though she knew she drowned them. Like, well, he, that happens. Yeah, he's in the, you know, in the mindset of like, I haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. I, I'm here, whatever. I, I Please hope there's nothing wrong with them, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not my problem kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of how he was throwing it out there. It was just like, uh, like I'm still here. Here's me, boohoo on me. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, but they're gone, and I don't know where they are. So, 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of me, 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 and there's a lot of. I was like, you know, I texted her a few times, and this house is not the same for me. And I was waiting for them, and I wanted to turn the light on, and I wanted to read uh, them stories. It's just very me, 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 me. Yeah. It's very unsettling. A few times he sleeps up and uses past tense. I didn't catch that the first time, but re-listening to the interview, a few times he does uh, use past tense, referring to his family. Oh, that's that's interesting. I'm going to have to go back and watch mm-hmm. that and try to keep my ears out for that one. I think it's even more flagrant in the first interview, not the one with the dogs, but the first interview he conducts. Um, that's the one where... He, He's just using past tense, I think, just a few times, but it's enough to raise an eyebrow. Mm. Um, now, the second interview with the dogs, I think, is the one that's been um, dissected, I guess, the most. Because almost at the same time as you can hear uh, the canine unit barking in the background, um, he becomes a little livid, honestly. I think he became a little pale at that time. <laughs> he was probably... Uh, not wanting them to sniff anything too incriminating. No. Um, he will do all the incriminating himself, though. Um, from now on, this the case just really snowballs and happens really fast. Um, four hours after those two interviews with local TV news, um, the police bring him in for to be interviewed. Um, not as a suspect, particularly. Um, but his demeanor, looking back at the interview that you can find online again, um, he checks all the boxes for someone that's very much guilty. Very much so. He's hiding something. Yep. Um, let's see, I have to scroll a little bit. <laughs> I've talked no, too much. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. The, uh, the parts where, because I've, I've seen the actual interrogation, and it's the mm-hmm. same. It's the same channel that uh, had the Jody Arias interrogation and how, like, how they break it down and like how they, yes. they like they make him, they make the interrogator seem like he's their friend and everything. It's 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 wild yeah. to see like interrogators like work a suspect into like they have so many different techniques. And even right. the the lady that does the polygraph on the second day, she's also mm-hmm. she's been through the training, so she's like. You know, she's a. Uh, she describes it as like, oh yeah, I like I. I pretend to be like the like a bubbly personality and their mm-hmm. friend. I'm on their side, you know. And then, what I tell them right before the polygraph s- starts is, well, there's one person in this room that knows the truth, but in five minutes, both of us will know the truth, yes. and it's just like, oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> like, kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really, really. That is kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's cool to see mm-hmm. how they how interrogators work this, and it's again just the amount of techniques that they have is is pretty outstanding. Mm-hmm. The thing is, even if you know what they're trying to do, what they're doing, or what they could do to you, you still fall for it. Yes, because the stress of the situation, you just cannot control that. Yep, and I think that's something important too. Is I think that people try to. Beat the, like like what you're saying. People know that they have these techniques, mm-hmm. and then they try to beat them. But that's like a technique within itself is just let let mm-hmm. the person dig their own hole, and then you'll get them to crack. So, 
Yeah, I don't get it. Like, you can also not say anything. You can just stonewall them. Yeah, you don't have to say a word. They, they voluntarily give all this stuff away. It's crazy. Yep. I think the thing, I've, I watched a lot of true crime over the years, a lot of the interesting cases like this, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, um, interrogations. But something about Chris Watts is just deeply unnerving. And I think it, it's almost like, uh what he did had to have like he had to have been like a broken person to start with or something mm-hmm. not right with him uh and then it's like your spouse being a uh like a sleeper cell like you don't know like you don't quite know them they're like on the other side of the bed and at any time something they're they could show their true side i think that's why it's creepy Mm-hmm. not to mention like the depth of his crimes but it's like th- someone you think you know so well can turn out to do that that's just so gross and it, there's like a there I've always felt like icky around the the Chris Watts situation mm-hmm. well, um well I th- I think what just elevates that is the children in the case yeah it's like it okay it like I'm not saying it's okay, but you like you do see a lot of like spouses killing one another like that. Okay, got it cuz there's yeah. like crime of passion. Oh, you cheated on me. I'm so angry. Like mm-hmm. that aspect of it. I'm not going to say it's understandable, but you have that. But then t- like it's it's the children. There was like there was yeah. no reason as to why you needed to do that. And then like again, it's like everyone asks, "Why not just get a divorce if you didn't love her anymore?" That you could have done that, so yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, it it like, and to my knowledge, unless there's something I don't know, it doesn't seem like she was like that. It seemed like she kind of, you know, worked a lot and mm-hmm. took care of the family, and it didn't seem like he had any incentives. Like that's what's so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, like mm-hmm. yeah, w- when when two people pop pop off at each other, like we're kind of that's to be, i mean everybody knows what like a flash pan of anger feels like but that kind of thing is normal it's the it's the children that are go too far the and also the way well anyway i won't you, you I, I want you to keep going i, I have i have things to say <laughs> that's, good. that's good that's <laughs> <laughs> um and you're absolutely right from all accounts shannon was a pretty nice lady to be around sure she Maybe she wasn't doing the best side hustle, but yeah, she was just trying to make, you know, to, to make things work and to make uh, ends meet. Um, and honestly, things were kind of looking up. She, I think, I read that she made around 75k a year, so that's, that's honestly not too bad. That's not. And yeah, <laughs> there were some debts, and yes, the mortgage was a little high, and yeah, they were struggling, but I don't think that... I don't think that inherently she was a bad person. I don't think oh, so. Did they get like a subprime mortgage right before the? But when what when was this? Did they was this? No, they. You said they got married in two thousand twelve, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. never mind. But unfortunately, they did contact a real estate agent to try to downsize. So maybe the debt were just a little too much. And okay, I can try to rationalize that. Maybe her making a bit more money than he was at that time. Maybe that was a little bit emasculating. Okay, I can see that. 
and maybe with the kids and him taking care of the girls while she was away at a convention having fun. Yeah, okay. Okay, I can understand that. But the kids, why? Yeah. And he could have just walked away. He yeah. could have just walked away. So if we go back to the police interview um, hours after those tele televised interviews, terrible mistake again, um, it's a pretty good show of how even just one cop can put you in a corner and even if you know what's going on, you're just going to look like a fool. Yeah. Something as easy as sitting between the interviewee and the door to make them feel that to get out, you have to go through them. That's, that's sometimes enough to put some pressure and to just tire the interviewee or the suspect after a while. Um, other things, little things like just asking a question and pausing. And just letting the suspect trying to fill in the blanks. That's just the little things that Okay, that's pretty impressive, and I think I would fall for that if I was in his shoes. Yeah, because the, um, there's that awkwardness when someone's mm -hmm. just looking at you, and they're, like, expecting you to talk, and then it's like, well, this is really mm -hmm. awkward. I'm going to just say something, you know, just to fill it, and then they just keep talking. They, uh, it's real. Yeah. And he just kept on blabbering around at all the details. Um, it's just, again, knowing what he did, he looks like like criminal an idiot and a cruel person and a terrible dad ah goodness yep. i don't know how many times i watched this <laughs> interview <laughs> just banging my head against the wall just what's going on <laughs> eventually the uh, interrogator asked him well do you want to just pass a polygraph test and this is where the lady comes into play. She's wonderful. Yep. She's so skilled. She kind of scares me, actually. <laughs> she does. Because the way she brings in the, the polygraph and the text, she explains what's going on. And um, she does it with such ease and with a friendliness that's very scary to me. I would 100% agree to a polygraph and have her just serve me on a platter to a bunch of cops. <laughs> I don't. She just seems very sweet. Mm -hmm. Like even, like I would. I just I wouldn't do it. I I wouldn't do a yes. polygraph test because even if I did or I didn't do it, the fact that like just being connected to wires and everything like that, mm -hmm. I would have the feeling that I'm gonna fail this, <laughs> and there's it doesn't matter, and I'm gonna and I know they can't use the polygraph tests like as like evidence in court, but mm -hmm. it's that stepping stone to be like okay, well you just failed. What happened? And if it's like, I didn't really do anything, I would just be like, I, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so I just wouldn't do did it. They make you, did, did they make you take your shoes off still? Or well, like they used to make you take your shoes off at mm -hmm. one point, right? With yeah. polygraphs. Because yeah. the people were putting pins for the uh -huh. control groups. Yeah. Oh. I've heard a pin under your, your a big toe, a pin under your butt as well. That must hurt. Um, and just little tricks to try jail. to... Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> where you can um, you can pinpoint pain, uh, like to a nerve point, then you can supposedly uh, like throw off the polygraph test. So. Yeah. Wow, I'm not gonna try it. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm really not. <laughs> you could even have it like in your elbow and actually put it in your in your flank, like 
your mm-hmm. side, something like that. I and mean, there's there's numerous ways to do it, but wow. it doesn't actually work. I mean, you're. I mean, it does kind of work. It'll throw mm-hmm. it off, but um, but you shouldn't do it. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're going to actually still give the answers you're going to give. So, mm-hmm. well, I think like. like the the lady was saying like if you score under like a negative four on the scale like that's pretty like evident that you are lying chris watts mm-hmm. scored like a negative 18 or something like that yeah, that was Where, pretty bad yeah, yeah it was just like yeah okay dude like yeah there's there's no i don't even think a pin or 10 pins would have saved him yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not just it's not just normal nerves and yeah. like that no it's, yeah. it's not what it is yeah, like he's gonna need a bigger pin. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> We're gonna need is a you, bigger. Pin. Your brain waves actually immediately go to a memory when they ask you the question. Like you start actually, like you're you start thinking about certain things. Interesting. So yeah, you actually have to. Um, if you are a true sociopath, that's the mm-hmm. only way you can actually control waves between your actual like left and right cerebellums mm-hmm. and and just not actually have a reaction to questions like that so well that's what makes them a so they don't care like they don't have feelings <laughs> so at the end of the polygraph test um the lady the operator um she tells him yeah that was bad and he doesn't really fight it he there's no he's not protesting not really and he just kind of goes with the flow that's a general theme um of the uh police interview is he's just almost maybe he's given up at this point maybe he's just given up because he even says like she's like all right you failed that and he's just like okay like he's like yeah. you don't yeah it's not like well okay maybe was was the connections wrong or like oh mm-hmm. I like you know he didn't he's just like yep I okay I lied <laughs> yep it's very matter of fact yeah um from there again it it gets even faster they um talk to him a little bit try to get some sense into it and um at some point he asks for his dad to come into the room. From what I understand, they were traveling to help with the search, and he was nearby, and he said, look, I got to talk to my family. I got to, you know, get out of this. That, again, um, shows how much pressure just two cops in a room with you can put on you as a suspect. Adding to that, the guilt that you may or may not have, um, I, I get it. I, I would... I would confess that I stole the chocolate. Honestly, I yes, I did. I was hungry. Um, so his dad comes into the room, and it's it's very quiet. Nothing much happens. Finally, he says, "Just little snippets, you know." She she did it. I didn't know what to do. She did it, and that's when the cops come back, because now we need, you know, the the bigger guns, I guess. Um, and he starts this story about how Shannon hurt the girls and he just, he lost it. He lost it. And he, he just, he had to do it. Now, with what we know, of course that couldn't have happened, but that's his way of having an out. And that's his way of 
putting the blame on someone who, at the end of the day, I doubt Shannon had any responsibility whatsoever in what happened. It's so scummy and disgusting and cruel. It really is. Yeah, that's like I think what what it was was like the um the woman who was doing the polygraph test. She's the one who kind of mm-hmm. baited him, or like she was trying to like get him to say that he did it. So she was feeding him like, well, mm-hmm. did this happen? Did this happen? And then she's like, well, did Shannon hurt the girls? And he's like, ah, yeah, she did it. So mm-hmm. I had to hurt her, and that's why. That's why. Yeah, that's why I killed her and everything. So. It is like the fact that almost like we were talking about earlier, he's a narcissist. He's, he won't take Mm -hmm. the blame. He'll blame it on somebody else to like, you know, maybe this, maybe if it was like a self-defense or maybe if I was like protecting the girls in a way I can get out of this, but obviously Mm -hmm. that's not what happened or how it turned out. And that's just another technique that the police officer used to just either, uh, either place you on the scene or put you at the time of what happened. And from there, it's pretty much over. You've already admitted to part of it. And if it just doesn't make sense, well, it just doesn't. Yep. Um, now, I forgot to mention something. If, I, if you remember before, um, I told you that Chris was on his phone a lot, presumably texting someone um, while the cops were looking for his pregnant wife and his two little girls. Um, he was talking to a woman he met at work for a couple months. And her name is also Nicole, but it's not the same Nicole. Um, He was talking to this lady, and he had an affair with, of course. And um, she sent him something like, what's going on? Um, I saw what happened on the news. If you did something to your family, you're going to ruin your life and my life as well. And at this point, the cops are like, well, we know. We know, duh. Um, him deleting messages and their conversation is just not enough. They have tools to um, get this information back. And now his story of, well, Shannon, she knew she she knew that I was having an affair and she didn't want to leave. She didn't want us to get divorced, so she just hurt the girl. Uh, really doesn't make a lot of sense to me i don't know about you guys but i can't really reconcile those facts yeah that wouldn't make much sense now if you think of maybe chris wanted to start a new life and that maybe he didn't see another solution that to cut loose a few baggages that he had now i can see that happening I just, again it just it doesn't make sense it doesn't like it like ah because there'll yes. be no repercussions yeah right it doesn't make any sense it's a lot and as much as i want to tell you that this case went to trial after he was arrested and there was discovery and we had testimony for no we didn't get any of that no trial very soon after the fact in november actually he was sentenced to multiple life sentences without the possibility of parole. That's not where the story ends, but it definitely puts a big old dot at the end of that part. Um, he just he just took a plea deal, and Shannon's family 
didn't want the uh, death penalty to be on the table, which that's respectable. I, I can understand that. I don't know that I would have as much mercy, but I can respect that. And um, he took the plea deal. He told the story that he will change, of course. But that's pretty much where this part ends. Just like that. He went to prison for a few months before changing his story again. And that brings us, I believe it was early 2019. So yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty late after the fact. Um, two police officers went back to see him to get to the bottom of it. Because at the end of the day, they didn't have much facts. Sure, they found the bodies. Yes, I didn't talk much about that because it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. But um, they just wanted to know what happened that night. Because he didn't tell them much. And what he did tell them didn't make a lot of sense. They went to see him in uh, where he was. And finally, he told a version, another version which I think personally is pretty close to the truth. Let's go through it together. So on the 12th, she, come back from, she comes back from her convention. And at this point, they have an argument. An emotional conversation. <laughs> um, he tells her that, look, we just, we're not compatible. It's not working. We have to just get you know each other out of each other's way and we we just have to get separated and she didn't like that she didn't like that she cried and she screamed a lot and and i i understand i i wouldn't want that if i thought that i was in a loving relationship i wouldn't want that either but for him that was too much he felt stuck that was too much he was He was trying to get out of this, and she wouldn't let him. So he strangled her. He did. Just like that. From what he told the officers, yes? Well, I was going to say, wasn't it, too, that, like, he had said that she stated, you're never going to see the kids again, like, during that whole Mm -hmm. conversation, and, like, that's what drove him to do it, too? I can see that. Yes, I think I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was also I apparently um mm-hmm. Bella, I think Bella the younger, or I guess the oldest of mm-hmm. the children witnessed it. Therefore yes. that's why he decided to kill the children also. Mm-hmm. There's there's part of that. Um I'm just looking through my notes. Yes, Bella is the oldest one, four year old. Um so she saw she saw that her mom was laying on the bed lifeless motionless and apparently chris tells the officers that she asked them what's wrong with mommy he said something along the lines of she's not feeling well he dragged her body through the house down the stairs i think in a bed sheet just dragging her all the way down to his truck and again he says bella asks what's going on what's wrong with mommy and again he states she's just not feeling great right now after loading up his wife's body like like a piece of garbage in the back of his truck on bed 
covering her, covering her with a bed sheet, he brings two little girls inside the truck on the back seat. And he tells the officers, it must have been a 40-minute um, drive, and he just drove. He could have stopped. He could have... He could have done a number of things that didn't result in what will happen to them, but he didn't. He just drove all the way to a site that he was familiar with, that he worked at, and he first buried Shannon in a shallow grave. Um, just, there's no, there's no respect, there's no love in this act. There's a lot of passion into strangling someone because it takes a long time. To take someone's life this way, it takes a long time. But just dropping her like that in the dirt in a very shallow grave is so detached to me. I don't think I have a better word for that. Very is detached. He gets back to his truck and in his trooper, I guess, he just takes Celeste's blanket, the youngest one, and smothers her with it. Because he didn't want them to grow up without their mom. So he takes her life of this little girl. And from what he tells the police officer at, at this point, um, Bella, the big sister, says, Is this going to happen to me too? She knew. She was only four, but she knew. It really surprises me. If this is true, of course, it surprises me how aware of what's going on she was at that time. Of course, she's a smart little girl, so I can see it happening, but it's very heartbreaking. Yeah, it's after. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, I don't know. Again, like the I feel so gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the four like that's that's the thing, too. A 40 minute drive, like the amount of stuff mm -hmm. that he could have done, he could have. There's so many things he could have done. He could have stopped, got out of the truck, and just, that's that. Mm -hmm. He could have just left the kids at home and been on his, like, he, it's it's the kids. I think it's the kids that, and then, too, like, him disclosing, like, what his kids were saying and, like, doing mm -hmm. and everything. Like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how he's okay with this. That's what I, so, here's the thing is, like, we were talking about earlier, how he's a narcissist but isn't this mm -hmm. on the lines of just being like a psychopath like he has no remorse it feels like he has no remorse and no feelings for what he had what he did like it, to me that's like would it be more of like a sociopath than a psychopath or just the like lack of emotion and the detachment of it all it it feels like he completely wiped his family clean of the earth. It feels very personal to me. Mm -hmm. It really does. That if he was going to have it his way and no other way, he needed to start over and this would be with having them completely annihilated. True. True. I mean, we're, we're talking about like what the worst part of what he did, but mm -hmm. like the, the lighter part of this, which is also disgusting is like, him basically coming home three kids deep with this woman and being like, I don't know if it's going to work out like that, that in and of itself bothers me. The whole thing, his whole deal, 
Do you think it was like also like a money thing too, where it was like, okay, if I get divorced, I have to pay child support for three separate kids. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Like almost like what we're saying, like just like having them completely gone. And if I can get away with this, like I, I will, uh, well, I'll be, I'll be completely free. I mean, do you I think that he was thinking? thinking but so, I mean, you know what we know what she was doing for her, like the whole, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the MLM. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what she was bringing in, but you said she was bringing in like a decent amount of money. Yeah, pretty okay money, honestly. She, from the looks of it, she had a downline that was, downline, sorry, that was pretty sizable. Um, multiple times I've read that she was bringing in more money than she was, being a, um oil operator. He, he was a technician, you know, a worker. He was just doing his thing. And I think a part of that kind of emasculated him a little bit, maybe humiliating him. I think when you when you speak of his possible um, narcissism, I can see it. Yeah. It checks a lot of boxes. I can see yeah. that he was tired of all the the cameras and debt, and he had this cutie at work that he started to date, and think he wanted to take control again now it's very sad that that was how he took control back but i think control is very is a very central point in this story yeah yeah i definitely see it as narcissism other than sociopathy or psychopathy mm-hmm. so he didn't i, mean, I don't know he I mean, didn't seem like unbelievably bright though like uh obviously not there's like a whole bunch of things that have already hit those check marks but also the way he disposed of of his children's bodies in the Mm -hmm. oil like like that those uh those tanks are used regularly and Mm -hmm. also like you want to preserve something put it in a vat of oil uh so yeah he for lack of a better term he squeezed those two girls and I think something like eight inches um, hole diameter, and just let them there. Just it's it's so hard to me to imagine that. I've seen the pictures. I've I've seen the aerial you know shots of the of the area. It's a lot to take in. Yep. That he just did that, and then of course he drove back home. Drove back home. Went to work. And I believe between the time of him driving back home to being inter- interrogated for, um, by the police and being arrested, he checked on, it, sorry, he checked with the real estate agent once more to sell the house. Mm. So I think that control is a very central point here. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of like, in nature, you see every now and then, like uh, uh, a parent uh, killing or eating its offspring. Mm-hmm. And, um, I sometimes I wonder like because every now and then you'll hear about a mother doing this or a father doing this and I wonder if there's uh like some weird um latent gene that snaps when like those certain wires are crossed the right way which which makes it all that this whole topic even creepier that Mm -hmm. if if there's like a, a a developmental pathway for this kind of stuff I think it's it's mm-hmm. I, I I think it's a little different because in nature it's about survival. 
rather than like a need. Yeah, but but humans are very entwined like socially. Like our survival a lot of times are, are like these really uh latticed works of of social structures. And and like what what's to say there isn't some trigger there? I don't know. I've just wondered it because every now and then you like you'll hear about something like this and you're like how it sounds like it's like from something from a different planet. It's so foreign but uh it happens like kind of regularly yeah mm-hmm. yeah i see what you mean yeah um i to be honest with you i think that even if chris didn't snap this way i think he would have snapped anyway that's true i think so yeah I, if it wasn't this it was gonna probably be something mm-hmm. else yeah i truly believe that um thankfully yeah I was just going to say that I I had heard that um, Shannon had brought up like the potential for a divorce to Chris mm-hmm. before it happened. So uh, I am I'm unsure if this was his retelling of the story or if it was someone else's. Okay, I'm unsure of that. I I wouldn't really trust his retelling of this argument the night of. Because, of course, he's going to try to paint her as the terrible wife that she was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really see that. I can't, I can't see that she was a horrible person. Nothing really that I see online is saying that. She's, she didn't really seem like a terrible human from what I'm seeing. Of course, she probably had her flaws. Everybody does. But nothing that would warrant this. Yeah. And... Even if she wanted to divorce, he could have just walked away. Yeah. Yeah, that was his out. Mm-hmm. That, like, if he really wanted that, that could have been his out. Exactly. There were a bajillion other options that he could have taken instead of the scorched earth um, method that he tried there. No. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely doesn't warrant it, but I, I was just curious if mm-hmm. there had been anything in the past, like, Leading up to it, to where like there's anything uh, leading to her possibly thinking about a divorce, which I'd never seen anything uh-huh. about. But, um, I didn't, just, I didn't know, like, see that, three. but something that would maybe connect to it is um, um, Shannon said on her social media post posts that um, at the very beginning of their relationship, she wasn't really the lovey dovey one, and she as she put it, she gave him a lot of outs. Um, since she was very sick, he got the worst of it. Um, so maybe that could be part of it, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything closer to the event, closer to 2019, that would indicate that she wanted out of this relationship. Not with a baby on the way. Yeah. So like I said, Chris was sentenced to five life sentences, three consecutive and two concurrent without the possibility of parole. I think this is quite a lenient um, sentence. He's just going to spend his life in prison. And yes, he will have to face his own action, but it could have been worse, especially in Colorado at this time. It could have been worse. The death penalty was, um, I think, removed in 2020 if I'm not mistaken. So we could have had worse. It's so different from here. We brought back the electric chair. 
you do <laughs> yeah like we Bring brought back. that back <laughs> we actually had a i think this was on a fishbowl we had talked about this mm-hmm. about the uh the whole lethal injection aspect of it but i, I don't know yep. to me to me having him sit in prison is worse than i think the death penalty in a in a sense I don't know. It, it's it's weird how you look at it because like, okay, you don't get to live your full life potentially because I mean, again, prisoners don't know when it's going to happen. It's just an mm-hmm. undisclosed time. And then, hey, guess what? You're this is the end date for you or whatever. And I don't I don't know. It's you can look at it both ways where it's like, okay, leaving the earth early can be can be worse than mm-hmm. sitting in a prison cell and then naturally just going or sitting in a cell for the next 60 years could be technically worse than you know electric or you know electric chair or you know lethal injection Mm -hmm. i can see that i i I think he deserves the worst anyways yeah oh yeah 100 very yes mm -hmm. yep i i have so much respect for shannon's family for removing the death penalty for taking it off the table personally i think he deserves the worst he's a very cruel human being Mm mm-hmm very, very so cool. that's left up to the victims and not like the 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 district attorney they i think they have i think they have an input yes on that yep mm-hmm. oh this state does well the family the family does. has an input yeah mm-hmm. but like that's everywhere i didn't know that it's no i think go ahead, go ahead. we're talking over oh. each other go ahead go ahead <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh you're good you're good i think it's part of the plea uh, agreement they had a say in that um since i think perhaps their um their wish was for him to tell the truth but they did they did um refuse to have the death penalty be an option it's very commendable and very graceful i don't think i would have that much grace but yeah yeah i don't know so so outside of his weird retelling of her Mm -hmm. possibly wanting a divorce or her hurting the kids or all all his nonsense he never really gave a clear motive not really no no like i don't even think he came out like he said that he had an affair but he never Mm -hmm. said like that was the reason why he did all of this like his like exactly his story is that like shannon hurt the girls or like um he said like they weren't or she would he she had said that they're never gonna he's never gonna see the children again and then he's just like well it's just i started strangling her so mm-hmm. like he never gives the reason like the true reason why which i think the real reason is he just wanted to start over he wanted to start over from scratch not have any like lily was saying like any baggage or any loose ends it was just he wanted a clean slate and if he could get mm-hmm. away with it then perfect but again he was he was an idiot he wasn't smart about anything that he did I agree. I totally agree. Definitely, um, his intellect is not his strength. No. Um, and um, that um, lady he had an affair with, Nicole uh, Kissinger, I think her name was, um, I-, I think she-, she she had an interview as well with the police, and uh, she was very forward with the information, which I appreciate. She completely disavowed anything that they had. Mm-hmm. Um I think she was aware that he was having an affair with her, but she, I, I'm not getting this from her that she pushed him or that she wanted him to do this to Shannon, the girls, and um, the unborn 
uh, baby Nico. I think this is purely him just, like you said, getting an out of this relationship. And yeah, maybe sometime, maybe he did love the girls and maybe he did love Shannon, but I don't think that at that time on August 13, 2018, that that was enough. Yeah. Agreed. But that's pretty much all I have on this case. Wow. That was detailed. Thank you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> <Yes>. you. <laughs> it was, Lily. Seth, I know you said you had a couple of couple of things. So no, it was the thing. It, it really was just the way he disposed of the bodies. I thought it was stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, um, like he 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 just kind of put them in a, in a place where like moisture can't come in or escape. It like mm -hmm. in terms of DNA and all of that, it didn't make any sense. But yeah, that's all I had to say. We didn't get that far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen them, but there's been a numerous. Um, sorry, there's been numerous adaptation and movies about this case. What do you think about that? What do you think about documentaries that are a little romanticized, maybe? Yeah. There's a lot of that lately, mm -hmm. and I don't really know. Like, you could just turn on Netflix and that entire mm -hmm. row that says, like, a true crime thriller or whatever. Dahmer, all, the Night Stalker. Yeah, it's all yeah. that. Watching the Dahmer one, that was weird because uh, uh, there was a lot of people on social media that kind of uh, more than like romanticized it, like his side of the story, which was really mm -hmm. strange. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird business. I, it is really strange. It gives me the takes. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't. I. Uh, we've brought this up before too like just like how mm -hmm. like the entertainment industry is almost like i'm not gonna say glorifying serial killers but like making them very cinematic and very like ooh. I, I don't i think you can tell a story without making it that way and it's just mm -hmm. like, like we just sat here and we just talked about it and like we like it's you, you don't need all of that stuff. And I get it. It's the entertainment business. They're going to do what sells and everything like that. And apparently right now, just crime dramas and real life things are selling. So it's like, why not do it? But I, I think it's important to understand or try to figure out the why. And like, you know, it's, we shouldn't, we shouldn't shield ourselves from this stuff, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't think you need to, I don't think you need to bring the entertainment business into these things I, I i don't know i i like the interrogation the trials i think that is very important to understand and try to get to the reason like the the reason why to things but i i don't know i just i don't know i don't i'm not a fan of what netflix is doing i say it, it, long and short of it i don't think they should be doing that <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah clark what do you think uh, you know, I, I said to you guys uh, jokingly before we even did this episode, said, uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you smile at stuff that's like absurd. It's, it's absurdity is what it really is. Like, because yeah. we can't fathom ourselves doing things like this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time you watch these videos we ha we have all the ability to actually see the videos of like this guy like trying to cover up for himself and we know what he's already done mm -hmm. and we almost find it humorous because we just look at it and we're just like look at this guy 
trying to cover up, you know, this heinous crime that he's done. Yeah. And, uh, and like, we didn't get into, like, some of the stuff of, like, you know, shoving bodies into, you know, oil drums and thing, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just really heinous and it's, it's, it's disgusting. But at the same time, you know, uh, we look back at Jack the Ripper and things like that and, and we're detached from it. We're like, oh, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, watch the Sweeney but, Todd. You know, <laughs> this is ten years. This is ten years ago versus one hundred and ten years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, where's the line? Where's the line drawn? So that's all I gotta say. It's I think it's twenty, I'm, right? Twenty years, and then <laughs> things are funny. <laughs> well, that's the that's South Park's rule. So yeah. <laughs> I go by that. You know, that's where I'm at on it. Like, you know, I'm fascinated by investigating these things. And mm-hmm. um, so, uh, I don't know, you know, human psychology is just uh, fascinating. Think, it really we, is. Yeah. We think we, we think we can box it in, but we can't. Mm-hmm. It is it is just as infinite as the universe. Like, yeah. everybody's psychology is impossible to understand i can't mm-hmm. understand what seth's mind is like i can't understand what alex at any time what's going on in somebody's brain so right. we look at stuff like this and you want to rationalize it and you want to like think that we can solve a crime and yes you can solve the crime and bring justice to a family but you'll never actually realize what was going on in a person's brain Mm. i think that really highlights sort of a dichotomy uh, that i pretty much face in any case that i see and that i try to um not obsess about and try to find out all the little details about um and that would be there's this part of me that wants to understand why it happened how it happened um and that's just morbid curiosity at the end of the day the other part of it is almost if i understand it deep enough then it won't happen to me there's this part of um understanding all the in and outs of a police interview it means that maybe i'll be able to trick the system even if that's like we like like we said that's not true Mm -hmm. but i think that's really what i face when i learn about a case that's just way too intriguing to just gloss over um i'm really torn between just yeah learning everything and this i'm not sure if there's a part of ego in that you know trying to learn everything so that it won't happen to me so that i would be able to recognize the signs but yeah well i i think we've talked about this too it's like there is there is that weird like fascination like look at like the gladiator times when like we would mm-hmm. all sit in a coliseum and watch a man go against a tiger or a bear. And it was just like, or public executions, things like that. There's like a weird like thing in our brain. And like, what mm-hmm. if this is just like, this is our eras of like that piece where it's like, we're getting our so-called fix or our, like that animal mm-hmm. inst- like thing out when we watch these documentaries and, try to get to that understanding and like that's the thing too is just like the the like obsessing about it can be just as like just as dangerous because like you can sit there and always ask 
why and i think it's maybe it's the closure you want you want to like mm-hmm. know you want to know why but really at the end of the day the only person that's ever going to really know is chris and he may not even fully know why he did it at the end of the day he might have like it just might have mm-hmm. been something that like oh shit i just did that i don't like i wasn't thinking i, I don't know why i did that you, you know what i mean but he's I don't think he's ever going to really come out and say it. So maybe he knows he's an idiot. And if he says, I don't know, it's just going to make him look even worse. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I say, I don't know. And then I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Well, I mean, that that pretty much, I think we covered everything. Does anyone have any mm-hmm. final thoughts, anything they want to squeeze in? This whole show has been making me want to go watch Gone Girl, which is a great movie. Oh, yes. yes. Absolutely, yes. Which one? Gone, Gone Girl, Girl with Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's David a... David Fincher has true crime to a T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Oh. And I actually like Deep Water also. Mm-hmm. Deep Water. Yeah, what one's Deep that? Deep Water is also... It's been Affleck and Anadarmus. Oh, okay, okay. That's actually really well. It's kind of a flip on its head of Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I need to see that. Wait, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't recognize the name. Uh, it's on Hulu, I believe. It's okay. a Hulu exclusive. Yeah, yeah. Like Mine Hunter, I'm waiting for the next season. Like, like talk about like a a grim show, but mm-hmm. it's just like I can't get enough of it. Is is Mine Hunter? still respectful though yeah yeah i still need to finish the walking dead i'm not even done with that (laughs) (laughs) i'm behind i stopped at like season eight i need to get i need to finish it (laughs) don't worry i feel the same about game of thrones so you're totally fine (laughs) i haven't even i haven't even started game of thrones like i I don't even i stopped when sean bean died i was out Mm -hmm. isn't that season one (laughs) Yep, it is. <laughs> first episode. <laughs> the nerd in me is hurting so bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, all of the Game of Thrones books are right there. Oh wow. no. <laughs> They're just off camera. Yeah. <laughs> all of the song of ice and fire is there. But uh yeah, Walking Dead. I think Seth and I can give you a master class on why that won't work so you don't need to get too involved in uh, I, I think we need to do another zombie episode mm-hmm. but if, if we could somehow merge do like a uh i don't know like a the cover of the episode could be like those old comics where it's like spider-man the hulk it's like a crossover but it's like uh zombies and prepping and we somehow like merge them i think we could do something yeah, I'm about, fun, two hours away. I'm about two hours away, but I will drive to the place where they filmed all of The Walking Dead. Oh, and nice. Live stream wow. guys. Wouldn't work. Why Wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. <laughs> Why it won't work? Because Georgia in the summer is 110 degrees. Like, wow. It is terribly humid. Uh, zombies would just be like rotting meat falling down like it'd just be stakes on the ground ah, and imagine the smell terrible <laughs> reptiles all the alligators all the snakes eastern diamondbacks that are six foot long like there's worse creatures out there than zombies 
<laughs> well, that's actually, I feel like that's what actually happened to the show. Like the zombies weren't like the main, the main thing that everyone was worrying about anymore. People, the people are way worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Raider situations seem like a, some, some sticky, yeah. you know, you don't want to get too involved with the Raiders. Not to mention about just the mosquitoes and like oh. Westfall and Ooh, wouldn't it be crazy if you could catch zombie viruses from the mosquitoes? Yeah. Oh god. And then just heat stroke alone. Like Georgia wants to kill you. <laughs> State of Georgia wants to kill you. It is hot, it is humid, the reptiles are huge. Um <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bad place to be. But people live there. People live there. Yeah. Yep. That's where uh, Benning is. Yep. That's why uh, that's why Fort Benning is in the south of Georgia. And the home of the infantry is there because they're making sure you're ready for this. Wow. <laughs> uh, all right. A- any final thoughts before we tune out on the Chris Watts story? <laughs> no, I think that's it. All right. All right. Well, hey, you as the audience member, thank you for tuning in for this episode. Lily, thank you again for <clears throat> helping us with this episode. It was very informative, and I think it was better than the last one that we did. So thank you. Thank you for stopping by. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was a ton of fun. Well, thank you. And you as the audience member, if you're uh, if you're enjoying this, just make sure you look at all our other episodes, our social media. We got plenty there. And, you know, just remember, we don't want stuff that's normal. We want stuff that's effing weird.